Hey there, green future growers. Thanks for joining us today. If you're new to the show, I hope you'll subscribe on iTunes or your favorite Android app. And let's get growing. The amazing Patty Armbruster is going to offer the most incredible composting class you'll ever take completely online Saturday, July 18th. 2020. It's only $37 and you will get a seat. You will get a copy of the replay. You will get to pick her brain question and answers. Um, we are just going to rock the composting. How to do composting the most efficient, effective, and best way to improve the results in your garden today. I'm curious how you found me. Well, you know, I was just um, researching, like, I'm looking, I'm researching different podcasts, and um, I want to do, in the magazine, I want to feature, like, books and podcasts and stuff like that, and uh, so I'm researching it from that point of view, and then also, I just want to raise my visibility and start talking about and sharing my story, Um, so just to make a bigger difference and be of service more deeply and um so that's how i found found you i was researching organic gardening podcasts and organic podcasts and farming podcasts and i listened to a few of yours and i really liked them and i thought huh um and then you said that you're looking for guests and i thought okay well i'll apply and see if it's a fit yeah well i'm excited because i just made that be my guest page on my website i don't know sometime in 2020 it seems like it was just not long ago but yeah. Um, could have been back in February for all I know as fast as seems like just this year's gone a little, but, um, yeah, it's been helpful. And you were one of the first people that signed up on there. So, um, oh, that's so cool. cause I'm always looking for guests and I'm always super busy and, um, and just, it just seemed like, well, Hey, maybe if I put that up there, that will just help a little bit. And, you know, having that calendar anyway, just is super easy. Um, yeah. where people can just schedule what they want. And I'm finding, like, I taught at the school this year. That was a four-day school week, so we had Fridays off. And even, like, when I schedule out weeks, like, if we had a break or something, or, like, people tend to schedule on Friday anyway. So it seems like that's a good day to oh, do good. interviews. I think people are happier. Like, when I did real estate sales, they were always, like, best time to do your sales is from 1 to 6 on Friday afternoon. People are happy. <laughs> Anyway, we're totally off on topic. Let me introduce you and we I will go that. from there. I'm just, I'm, I'm yeah. just going to let my cat in. She's- Welcome to the Green Organic Gardener podcast today. It is Friday, June 19, 2020. And what a day. And the most exciting thing was, we can't wait for this. The amazing Patty Armister actually came to our place and let me take video footage of her telling us what's going on in our garden, what we can do to improve it, and just all the great things Mike's doing right, um, all sorts of apple pruning trips. And we're going to talk to somebody else. We all know Patty Armbruster is an amazing soil specialist. And today we're going to talk to somebody else who's also going to talk about the importance of healthy soil. So um, my guest today is a TEDx speaker, an award-winning entrepreneur, an author, an organic biodynamic farmer, and traumatic, traumatic brain injury survivor, which is something super passionate to me because we had a first grader at my school get hit by a car going 40 miles an hour 
crossing the highway, getting off the bus, and she is recuperating down in Texas after being in a coma and had major. So I am, you know, I'm very interested to hear about this. She's passionate about human potential, seeing people live the best of their lives, um, seeing people live their best lives. She was raised on an organic farm trained in polarity therapy, alternative medicine, neurofeedback, and transformational leadership, she's going to bring a wealth of knowledge and life experiences to this audience today. Um, and I guess, uh, well, I don't know. I really like your bio, so I'm just going to keep reading it. In 2000, so her name is Natalie Forstbauer, Forstbauer, and in 2003, she acquired a life-changing brain injury. Gardening and farming with a brain injury showed her healing is not always about fixing what we perceive to be broken. Compassion and grace can turn brain injuries and adversity into brain upgrades and new opportunities. Getting dirty in the fields, taking equipment apart, and leaning into the powerful wisdoms of nature, Natalie learned what it is to nurture and harvest one's gifts and to com compost adversity into some meaning, something meaningful and valuable. She is the founder and editor-in-chief of Heart and Soil Magazine, where she brings together quality information and advice on regenerative agriculture and global health. And so um, here today to talk to us is Natalie Forstbauer. Welcome mm. to the show, Natalie. Thank you so much, Jackie. That was quite the intro. You're good. Well, it was, it was so awesome because I'm sitting here typing up my little intro that I usually do right before the show starts. I start Googling my guests and stuff. I try to save a half hour for that. And on the top of every single show notes, it says, research guests on Safari. Make sure you ask them how to pronounce their name. Like I have my own little note and I always forget. That's funny. <laughs> anyway, I am going to be quiet and let you take on the show. But my, I mean, the biggest theme on my show has been soil health and Patty Armbruster, if you don't know her, you're going to want to meet her. Um, is a soil health regenerative agriculture expert and just um, it's just a coincidence she was here yesterday and we're talking today so wow. well, go ahead and tell listeners a little bit about yourself well I was born and raised on an organic and biodynamic farm in BC British Columbia Canada in the Fraser Valley and, um, and you know my parents were pioneers in the organic industry in in Canada and really in North America, my mom was recognized throughout um, the organic industry, and they helped put together the guiding principles for certification and uh, verification of organic farming. And I kind of grew up, you know, the girl who went to school with oddball lunches and uh, homemade everything, and I had apple juice instead of Kool Aid, and um, and and I thought Kool Aid was the best thing until I actually tried it. <laughs> And I was mortified and I was actually really grateful for the, the pressed apple juice that I got to drink. And, um, and then I'm uh, not sure I should really laugh about that because there are a lot of kids who grow up drinking Kool-Aid because it's affordable and they can't afford that super delicious apple juice. So that's right. And it's really curious though, Jackie, because we also didn't grow up, like we never had juices in our house. We drank water and apple juice was a huge treat. It was only at um, the end of the season when, uh, and we pressed the apples that were kind that were, you know, that were seconds or, or if we had like a, an excess amount of apples, then we got to make apple juice. And then it was really um, coveted. Like it was not something we got all the time, but it was like our treat. And so we didn't get it all the time, but we were really blessed to have gotten it. And, um, and that was, 
you know, that was one of the only treats. We didn't have juice or anything like that. And I always felt so ripped off until I actually tried that Kool-Aid. And I was like, what, this is it? It looks really pretty, but it doesn't taste so good. Like I, the difference between the, you know, it's like party in the mouth when you have something like really fresh and, um, and like living and, and uh, full of nutrients. And um, it was just kind of flat and foreign the kool-aid so anyways um so i had a very similar experience with like kool-aid like my mom wouldn't buy that it was just because she just wasn't gonna she did let us buy soda pop but not a lot of it you know but uh yeah i was surprised at kool-aid like when you would taste it like birthday parties and be like that's it i was like that's it it was totally such a downer so super disappointing so anyways, I grew up in, um, on this organic farm and we ran around barefoot and we all worked in the fields. I'm the oldest of 12 kids as well. And so it was, it, and oh we gosh. all, <laughs> yeah, it was a big family and, um, and, su- and super intentional. My parents intentionally, they both wanted to have a large family and um, they, and um, they really included us in the farming operations. I was like looking after the blueberry fields, the pick, and the, and looking after the pickers at the age of 11. And um, and, you know, taking people's money when they came and picked vegetables and, and berries and giving them change and all that kind of stuff. So really empowering. And then in 1989, we moved from Chilliwack, BC to, oh no, pardon me, from Masque, BC to Chilliwack, BC. And it was really profound because I had grown up on an organic farm. So I only knew organic soil. I only knew um, weeds everywhere and um, you know, having to, uh, like, um, uh, well, we, my hands are in the dirt all the time weeding. So when we moved out to Chilliwack, we bought, uh, my parents purchased a farm that had been used for, um, like dairy farming and conventional dairy farming. So it's been sprayed heavily with different chemicals and Roundup and that type of thing. And I remember walking onto the, or onto the farm and noticing the dirt was like dirt. And I will call it dirt was really, um, dry and I was like huh interesting and then um the first thing I did I was about 18 at the time was I wanted to go and find worms because I wanted to take my little brothers and sisters uh fishing in the in the creek well it wasn't creek it was like a ditch kind of a waterway that ran along the property and in Matsky where we were moving from we 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 grew up with a stream that um we used to fish in just for fun we never really caught anything and um and you know on this new property, I, we scoured the entire 110 acres for a worm. We turned over every piece of wood there was. We dug along the barns. We dug along the house. And there was nothing, like not one worm on the whole property. And that was super foreign to me because I was used to worms everywhere. And not only were there no worms, but I noticed there were no bugs. And I was like, this is weird. I wonder if this is what it's like to like touch the surface of the moon because it was that, it was that um, vacant. And then as um, Mike and I keep talking about how when you used to drive in Montana, your, mm-hmm. your windshield would be covered with bugs. You know, you couldn't drive from Eureka to Whitefish, which is like a 45 minute yeah. drive. And that just doesn't happen anymore. Wow. That's amazing because my, um, my girlfriend was saying that her friend who's not into like organic anything really um, was driving through um, just... It's, I can't remember what part of it. it's, it's the states through um, Seattle, just um, what east of Seattle and um, through like Idaho. 
or no, well, it's Eastern Washington, Washington, just like on its way to Spokane. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. So Eastern Washington. And she's, and they go down there all the time every year. And she was saying the same thing. She said, it's, it was so weird. She said, not one bug hit their windshield. And she said, usually it's covered. And she's like every, but there's nothing like nothing. Like they didn't have to wash their windshield once on a six hour drive. And so now we have to wash our windshield from like this, like film that gets on there. Oh, but anyway, I didn't want to throw you off. off no, track. That, go back okay. to your story. What you're saying is super powerful. Um, because that's what I experienced with the earth, right? With the soil. And then as we farmed it, I got to actually see it wake up and come back to life. And before that, I just was like, oh yeah, organic farming, it's supposed to be better. I'm told it's better. And um, the food does taste better, even though at the time it might not have been the prettiest. Um, but then to experience the earth coming back to life was probably one of the most powerful and profound things to witness like Jackie it was it was it was like an awakening for me on a cellular and um ethers level because I did not know I did not understand that the soil is a living organism that the soil can actually heal itself and it's nothing that we did or didn't do in terms of, ooh, we made it better. It was just nature taking care of itself and really um, like leading us to where it wanted to be when it supported. So anyways, that changed my experience um, with soil and organic farming. And I got to really witness the power of nature. All right, well, that is just awesome. And like I said, it couldn't be more timely because yesterday Patty was here looking at our soil and like I managed to like turn my phone on video record and just kind of like, cause I could not take notes fast enough for what she was saying, but she really like went into the specifics about what's feeding your soil and how this is like, what's going on here and what's going on underneath here and and, and all the micro organisms and yeah um micro what is it or is it and fungi yeah. and nematodes and yeah and just all that kind of exactly all the living soil things that are going on she just explained it so well like mm -hmm. i was like i could listen to you say this like 25 times before this is going to like actually mm -hmm. register and i can still remember like elaine dr elaine ingham telling yeah. me much of this when i interviewed her yeah. and um but it does take a lot to for for humans to grasp this like we just like look at the soil and we think oh it's brown dirt you know we kind of know i think most people know that you need warm you know the more warms the healthier your soil at least mm -hmm. my listeners i think a lot of them know that part but yeah so much of what you're saying is so powerful mm. so tell us what i guess i'm curious about your brain injury because not only did the student but I, like patty just told me about this guy brian no jim quick have you heard of him I have and he has this too. quick brain podcast and yeah. he also had some kind of traumatic brain injury that's right when he was quite young yeah so but you you're going to tell us about how how gardening and and things help with that right yes yeah do you have any questions that you want to start off with there jackie or no i mean like i'm just curious like what happened or okay well or... so in 2003 i was um i had just written my first book i was published in two other books and um 
and I just published my own first book. It's called Health in a Hurry, Simple Solutions for the Time Starved. And um, I, uh, I set up a special page so people can get a free copy of it. And I'll share that with you later. Um, but anyway, so I was on my way. Awesome. I, yeah, I was, I, I'd also met an organic farmer and we were just such a good fit for one another. And, um, and so I was in the process of moving out to Saskatchewan to, uh, to, to be a part of his farm and to be a part of his, his business. And we had already married our businesses and we had already planned to marry our life together. And, um, we were on the way back from Saskatchewan to BC to pick up uh, for my book launch and on the way there, Jackie, we picked up, I think, uh, like 1,500 copies of my book from the printer. And a few hours after that, early in the morning, with the light snowfall on the ground, we uh, just accidentally went off the side of the road and over um, the side of the mountain. And if anyone's listening knows where the spiral tunnels are by Field BC, that's where it happened. And uh and so the tow truck driver said it took about 240 feet of cable to pull us back up and out. Um, so that's where I landed with the brain injury. And before before the brain injury, I was into into organic farming. Hey, sorry, I I just can't not interrupt and just ask. Yeah, like, no. <laughs> how was how was your partner? Yeah, thanks for asking. He, you know, he was. Um, how is he? He he got whiplash and um like had a i think some type of um compressed like fracture in his lower back and um so but he was okay like it's amazing when you see the vehicle when we went to go um get some stuff out of the vehicle the people that we that at the yard um thought that people didn't make it because of the back of the truck was peeled the roof of the truck was peeled back the back cab was completely compressed um it was the the vehicle's a mess and for us to survive it was a miracle, like the hands of God and the angels literally had to catch us when we landed. It's because you had a bigger purpose and you're here to share your message today and, <laughs> and, and in the future and in the, like the message that you're sharing. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the brain injury was, um, Man, it was, it, it was probably one of the hardest things I've ever gone through in my life because before the brain injury, I had a really easy, I, 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 I mean, there's lots of things that happened that were hard in life, but I just had that, um, uh, tapestry within which, where I always felt like I was looked after. And if I wanted something, I'd just go after it and I'd get it. And so I could manifest really quickly and I could heal. Like if I was injured, I could heal myself really quickly. And my training was an alternative medicine. So I'd experienced like all, um, spontaneous healing and stuff like that. And I just, I had, I had, um, I wouldn't say I had an easy life, but I had like a pretty effortless, effortless existence up until then. And, and then, um, the brain injury hit and, I couldn't fix myself. Like I couldn't, it didn't matter how many visualizations I did or how much I changed my thinking or how hard I focused on remembering something. I was still falling on my face. I was still not remembering people I met. I was still um, 
leaving a trail behind me of unfinished things. I, I was still uh, leaving the burner on and, and, you know, boiling pots dry, even though I would have reminders put around, I would still miss some um, phone appointments and appointments period, unless somebody called me right before it. And even if somebody called me before the appointment to remind me about the appointment, if it wasn't at the time of the appointment and it was five minutes later, I'd still miss the appointment. It was just, it was almost crazy making. And, um, so there came a point and I was still working with our organic farm out in Saskatchewan and, and doing my best with that. And, oh, you know, it, odd things were happening, Jackie, like we were, um, we had a, a, a line of, of, um, milled flax that we sold into stores across Canada. And so an example of how the brain injury was showing up is we had labels, of course, front and back. And on the back is, it says how many calories are on the package. And I don't remember what the number was. I think it was like 25 um, calories per um, tablespoon or per three tablespoons. And all of a sudden the name, the number was changed to 125 calories per tablespoon. And I was like, and, and the only reason I found out is because one of our customers called us and said, why does your flax have so many calories in it? Um, because no other flax does. And I, and so I looked and I could not believe that that was, had happened. And so I called the design company and I called the printing company. I totally took a piece out of them and uh, was furious at their mistake. Like, how could they do that? Why would they do that? And, and everything has to be signed off on. And, you know, finally we, um, and they said that I did it and I adamantly um, denied that. And then I was in a conversation with my sister about it. And, um, and she just reflected back to me. She said, you know, Natalie, sometimes, like, sometimes your brain flips things. And maybe, maybe, have you ever considered that it was you? Who changed that number? And I'm like, yeah, but why would I do that? She's like, well, it might be something to consider kind of thing. So she told me without telling me. And then I went back and I, and I, at that point I had the capacity to be able to see more how I was showing up. And it totally was me. I randomly like changed the number and signed off on it. And um, not only like, was it a, just a mistake with the number, but it was also um, like financially cost us a lot of money. Cause now we had to print new labels and also um, it, it, it cost me more my confidence. So I was starting to doubt who I was, how I showed up. Um, and it was, it was traumatizing to think you're one way and think you're a person and then to be showing up totally differently and to be seeing that and witnessing it over and over and over again. I worked for a printer for a long time. I can totally imagine that whole the whole thing <laughs> right and and though funny i mean funny not funny i mean i have literally had people be like you type my phone number wrong and like screaming at me in their face and i'm like <laughs> you signed the proof <laughs> you looked i don't yeah. know what your phone number is i yeah and oh, just um yeah and it was I, so it, curious yeah, you'd be amazed <laughs> right you spelled like, my what? name wrong no, you, you signed off on it and people don't see the mistake and the thing was is like I was a person before the brain injury, I remembered everything I did. I had a, I didn't have a full photographic memory, but really, really like I had a, like a working, I would say working photographic memory. So I could see the documents that I had signed and that I had done and that I had gone through and post-injury, I had nothing, like nothing, like zero recollection. 
And so, but, and at the same time, I also believe that if I did that, I would remember it and I wouldn't do something like that. Like I had deep skills in business, so there's no way. And anyways, it was totally me. <laughs> it was totally me. And, and so every time something like that happened, I just kind of collapse. I collapse a bit more and then I collapse a bit more. And it's kind of like, um, you know, the area of the garden that you don't get to weeding and you originally have like maybe carrots planted and you miss the first weeding and the weeds grow a bit longer and the carrots get weaker and then you miss them, right? Oh my and gosh, I'm in bigger. that mode right now. Because the weeds are just growing like exponentially. And then and then on top of that, it's time to thin right. the beets and the radishes and the carrots and the Swiss chard and everything needs totally. thinned and weeded and, so and mulched. I just and those carrots that kind of started to disappear and lose who I was and lose my sense of self and all the shitty in my life or hard in my life. <clears throat> Sorry if I can't say that word on your podcast. Um, just like it was all amplified because um, I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to fix it. Like, I didn't know how to fix who I was because I had so much value on showing up authentically and so much value on showing up professionally and with integrity. And, and I was showing up like with what I considered like no integrity, not authentically because I wasn't reliable. I couldn't remember the last conversation we had and we were having the same conversation five times. And sometimes it was different every time, but I wouldn't remember it. So so I'm so curious, like how you were able to turn it this around. Confusing. Have you seen that movie, The Vow? I love that movie. Yeah. And Fifty First Dates was another one of my favorites. Oh yes, I love it. Oh my gosh, yeah, that was one of the first movies I. Yeah, I was totally could relate to that. Yeah, I could relate to both of those deeply, and and those are some of the first two movies that I watched, and I didn't even I knew The Vow was about brain injuries, but when I watched Fifty First Dates, I didn't know it was about brain injuries but I was like oh I totally get her <laughs> like I wasn't that um I didn't have the extreme of that but there's some things that feel like it's the first time every time and um and there's a tenderness in that too so anyways the injury was in 2003 2008 my world just kind of started to fall apart my relationship was disintegrating um I had three little kids and, um, and I just, and I was actually starting to accept, I'm like, well, maybe I can't heal myself. And I was told that by a number of specialists that this is as good as you're going to get. And I was like, damn, if this is as good as I'm going to get, like, I've got to change, like, I have, like, if this is as good as I'm going to get, then I have to change the way I'm showing up and stop trying to fix myself and get everything back to focusing on what I could do and what I I did have control over and those were, um, <clears throat> you know, it's kind of, it, it like goes back to, um, I planted 5,000 strawberry plants this year. I just have my own little, um, little acreage here. And, uh, <laughs> and I, I didn't order the irrigation on time. And I thought that strawberries after planting them would be good for a week, but then it got really hot here and really windy, 50 kilometer plus hour winds and everything dried out like within hours. If like, I, I, that's not an exaggeration. You would water something, Jackie. And like an hour later, you could not tell that it had been watered. That's how hot and windy and dry it was. And, and that's kind of, and so when I looked at the strawberry fields, I was like, oh, well, what can I do while the irrigation comes? So then I, I just put 
I just put aside time to actually water those plants by hand with a hose um, twice over a four day period. And I still. Sorry, cause uh -huh. I missed something. You said something in the beginning. You thought the strawberries would last for a, like, are they strawberries, yeah, strawberries in, in the, the ground, ground or you're still no, waiting to plant them? They're in the ground, right. but you're so waiting I've for- I planted like, them, your... but I don't have irrigation. And I thought they would, I thought the strawberries would be fine without irrigation for a week. I, I really did. But but the temperature got really hot here, like, uh, and and the winds were so intense that it was drying the fields out really quickly. And so where this is connected with the healing is, um, like, I had to focus on what I could do and what I had control over. So I knew I was just like, well, Natalie, just focus on watering the strawberry plants as much as you can until the irrigation gets here. And even if that means watering them by hand, then that's what you do. And, um, and what survives, survives, and what doesn't, won't. And that's okay. And that's kind of what I did with the brain injury when I realized that um, I wasn't going to, quote unquote, get better any further. I had to stop and look and go, okay, well, what can I focus on? What do I have control over? I can't, I can't control those strawberry plants that might not make it because it's too dry and too hot and too windy. But I can water the ones that are still viable and still strong and give life to them and nurture them until the irrigation gets here. And that's kind of where I was at with the brain injury. I was like, well, I have no control if I'm going to remember somebody or not. I have no control if I'm going to ha remember having the conversation that we had five minutes ago. I have no control over um, uh, like being organized and being able to um, like multitask and dissect and remember things. But what I do have control over is how I show up and who I am. So I do have control over um, loving my kids as best as I can with the skills that I have, with the person I am. And I do have control over um, making sure that I feed them regularly. And I do have control of being tender and compassionate towards myself and not beating myself up for everything that I no longer am and no longer can do. And so I can, with, if I show up with more compassion and grace towards myself, I didn't call it that at the time, but that's what it was. It was turning towards myself and sitting down with myself and being like, it's okay where you're at, Natalie, just do what you can do. And I think that's the same with gardening is like, um, the, um, the, the vegetables and the fruit and the, 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 you know, the trees that we plant, they, 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 as long as we support them, they do what they, they do what they do and they grow in the best way that they can. You follow? Absolutely. I am all about give yourself grace because especially in 2020, oh, yeah. have we got a lot going on and the, uh, the, I don't know, for me, the uncertainty of knowing what's right what's not right like everything i thought was right i'm not always 100 percent confident no. anymore and i just i don't know what's the right thing to do or where who to believe right. or and usually i'm pretty on that my husband's a news junkie mm -hmm. the news is always on we watch news from all different sources wow. around the world and i'm usually pretty confident about and i'm just i'm in, and then and then all these strange things, hangings, 
what in the world yeah. like yeah it's shocking it's really really vulnerable so i i can completely relate mm-hmm. sort of i i can't imagine what it's like to be in your but i love the way that you're saying you do have control it reminds me of like uh, is it stephen covey yes. that wrote the seven habits of successful mm-hmm. people that mm-hmm. you you can respond or something about responding it's the only thing you have control of is how you respond to things yeah and i think that was a really powerful learning because i think up until 2008 i was really 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 committed to fixing myself and like quote unquote being the best person that i could be and like getting my skill set back and all these things that i external pieces that i valued and um and, and, you know, be the change you want to be in the world. And I was like, that totally isn't true because it's not working. <clears throat> and then I realized that sometimes being the change that we want to see in the world and be in the world is changing our lens. And looking at things yeah. differently. Yeah. Yeah. And I realized that, um, life could be hard, like really, really, really hard. And I hadn't really experienced, I mean, some people may be listening, be like, yeah, she has no idea what hard is. Um, and it's true because I think everybody, I, I mean, part of my story is just the brain injury. Right. But that story can be translated to what's going on right now in the world with the pandemic and with, um, learning about how, all the injustices with, with, with racism and with the way that we've shown up for humanity and it can show up for people in, in, um, different experiences or traumas that they've had in their life or, um, you know, maybe an accident or it's, it, my story just happens to be brain injury. And I think that everyone has tenderness and everybody has, um, vulnerabilities to work through and to embrace and to just be gentle with. Okay. Well, let's try to get yeah, on the top of your note. So strawberries, 5,000 strawberries, like what's the plan with them? How big is your place? Where, what are you going to do with these strawberries? Is it just for you to eat for your family? Your yeah. Kids, no, or? It, um, yeah, so that's about half an acre of strawberries, depending on how you plant them. And I live in rural Saskatchewan. I live in a really small farming community. There's some bigger organic farmers, but a lot of, um, it's a lot of conventional farmers and uh, not any market gardening gardeners, I think close to me. I think maybe the closest one might be an hour and a half away. A lot of people do garden though. So I come from a, a I mean, uh, what's now a market garden, but we've, my parents' farm sold, um, like off the farm, sold into stores, sold into warehouses and sold through, uh, like nine, I think eight or nine farmers markets a week eventually. So my, and, and I think I said into stores, but so my, my background in diversity is, is quite rich in that way. I have a lot of a different, different life experience in that, in that. And, um, and I just, I just wondered, I was just kind of curious, you know, if I planted a Yupik strawberry field here, 
or uh, you pick farm or um, enough food that if I had an abundance, I could sell boxes of food and provide good local organic food. I'm just in the first year of transition to organic. Um, then I wonder what that market would be like. So I just kind of, I just put a feeler out on Facebook and I really encourage people to do that when they're looking at doing something uh, to tap into local Facebook groups. And I just said, Hey, um, thinking about doing um, a local veggie box. Um, I'm in the organic certification program and um, I'll also have strawberries. Who's interested? And I had over 200 people reply and say, interested, interested, interested. And I was like, Oh my goodness. Okay, I'm going to do it and see where it takes me. Awesome. So are you going to grow other veggies? You're just starting with strawberries right now? Yeah, no, right I have now? other veggies. So um, I'm funnily, I ran out. So I probably got about an acre and a half in production. And uh, I ran out of space, Jackie. I, I have I have starts um, of kale and kohlrabi that I'm, I'm planting amongst the spinach. And I planted the squash and the melons and the corn. And I planted, um, I, I'm, I'm growing things on, uh, like I'm doing as much vertical, like the melons are going to be vertical. The cucumbers are going to be vertical because I literally ran out of space to plant everything that I, my big eyes wanted to plant. <laughs> so we have potatoes and beans and uh, tomatoes and peppers and thyme and um, spinach, peas. So who's helping you do all this well, I've work? I've got three like children and so far they've helped me. We did a whole bunch, big field day yesterday and we have over half the we, 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 we did over half the strawberries and all the beans got done, half the raspberries got done and two, the peas got done and half a set um, and one full, one and a half sets of beets got done. So we're almost doing, finished doing the whole weeding. And mind you, I've grown up in the industry so I can weed, like I can, I, I know how to get stuff done really quickly and, um, and they're pretty good themselves. So that's, and now I'm also looking to bring a woofer onto the farm. So that's another strategy I'd really recommend if people are needing extra help is to look into woof, which is a willing workers on organic farms, which I'm sure you've talked about or heard about on your program. We are looking into getting somebody to help Ooh. us this year because our goal is to, I mean, Mike's goal, my husband's really the gardener, has always been to like grow as much of our produce as we can. But this year we wanted to make sure that like every space on our property was maximizing production because we're worried that there's going to be a few yeah. shortages in the fall and just, um, yeah. I just, I don't understand how this whole thing is like, I, it just baffles me more. I'm like more nervous now than I was March 16th when school got closed. Like I'm an elementary okay. teacher by trade. And so March 16th, we were told on St. Patrick's day or the day before we couldn't go back yet. Yeah, St. Patrick's is the seventh. So the 16th, like I was in my classroom bleaching and cleaning everything like crazy that Sunday. Like my classroom was never so spotless. I watched like every pencil, every dry erase marker, every book, every like thing the kids were going to touch. And then we never went back. Um, but I am more nervous now um, that I may never see my mom again. Like my oh. mom's in New York. I just feel like people are not taking this seriously on the news. They say everybody should be wearing a mask. I'm in rural Montana. Nobody wants to have anything to do with wearing masks yeah. hardly. Like it's like, I almost feel like I will, in in certain places like people want to attack me 
like there was a, a Facebook post that I posted. There was a, a Black Lives Matter rally down in mm-hmm. Whitefish, um, which is a little bit south of us, but definitely where I live is way more redneck yeah. than down there. And this guy got in this little woman's face, she's holding a Black Lives Matter sign. She's got her mask on. And this guy is in her face. He's tall, he's big, and he's just, and he eventually got arrested for, and and then I posted the picture of it that people were sharing and people were like screaming F you at my friends that commented on it. And like, how dare, and how could you protest? And, you know, people died for people's right to protest and how, and like the, the anger, like I literally shut up Facebook yeah. for three days. I have, I have not. And I am, there are times, like I won't go to the store in the afternoons in my town right now, because I just feel like, I mean, our community, I don't want to like paint a bad picture of it. There's tons of really nice people here, but I definitely feel like if I ran into the wrong person at the wrong time with my mask on, somebody would like physically maybe come up to, I mean, when my husband during the Vietnam war, when he was here and he was in Mm -hmm. high school at that time, um, like there were people who would go around with chainsaws and cut people's ponytails off like protesters, like hippies. They didn't like hippies. Like it's just kind of a different, and certainly it is nothing compared to anything. Somebody, you know, I'm a, you know, white, wealthy, grew up in a very wealthy, white, rich Mm -hmm. town. You know, it's nothing compared to what other people have to face. I, I can't even imagine. And again, like I said, I can't believe that people are so explosive over like don't you just want to wear a mask just because what if it saves somebody's life are you really willing to put somebody's life in danger and i just feel like i am outvoted a hundred times over in everywhere I yeah it's, like, uh, i don't know no that's kind of off topic but anyway where were we talking about yeah, workers willing workers on organic farms yeah and i just want to i think it ties really nicely in ducky too at the same time because you know, at what cost don't we wear a mask? Even if we believe or don't believe, at what cost do we make that choice? And I just can't imagine, I'm, I, I just makes me pause and wonder like the, 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 the pain and the story that people, people get in to, um, you know, take that position that they take. I don't quite understand it myself. So, um, but yes, let's go back to Whiffers. <laughs> So are you considering getting a woofer on your farm? On your acreage? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just talked to the woman from, like, I I paid the fee and I yeah. set up the thing. And then when you pay it, you have to do a phone call with the person. And so she let me record it. And I released the episode a few weeks ago. And I've had people that do want to come here. And I was like, at first I was like, I didn't even think my posting was going to go live until... Um, until like I had time to like explore the site and there's like these forms in there and they said that there's like application samples you really want to put an application because the best way to make sure you have a good experience and the woofers have a good experience is to be really clear about what you have to offer what they can do and like at our place you would really have to either bring your own camper or stay in a tent which I can tell you I tried to stay in a tent last summer and like almost even on the hottest nights at like two or three in the morning, I was so cold. I ended up coming in the house. So it's pretty cold here in the Rocky mountains. So then I was thinking like a couple, but, and if they, and I did find a couple who have a camper who really Mm -hmm. want to come in July. And I just was like, I'll write you when school gets out and school got out last Tuesday. And then I started a new job for a podcaster full-time on Monday of this week. And so I still have not (laughs) 
<laughs> written back to them or had any, you know, I don't know. Like I have to, I'd have to figure out the logistics. And then again, we're worried. Like Montana just opened June first, where people didn't have to quarantine. We are inundated. I mean, there are people from out of state wow. all over the place. It is just packed. They're buying houses. I mean, they say the real estate market is booming. Like people are coming here from California and Texas and New York and all over the place with cash and just buying <clears throat> places left and right. Um, and so we're kind of curious, we kind of want to see what happens, um, you know, as you know, the maps constantly say numbers are yeah. going up, but so hmm. I don't know. So we, we, we are thinking of it, but I'm not sure I have all the logistics. So the couple with the camper that could like, you know, be a little more self-sufficient. And then I'm also like, then I was thinking, well, like, can I afford to feed two people? Like at first I thought, well, a couple mm-hmm. would be better because you know there'd be two of them if it's cold and just also but then i was like wait that means twice as much food mm-hmm. as i have to be able to produce mm-hmm. for people so i don't know so that's where we're at but yeah i've been thinking about it because i think it would be like you know mike has a ton of knowledge we live in a beautiful place you know we're very close to glacier mm-hmm. national park sort of it's i mean it's like a 90 yeah. minute drive before you're even gonna get out of your car and start the hike but it's still pretty close i mean you know and you can go camping down there i mean our mountains you could technically walk out, 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 you know right off of my property and go drop into glacier national park through the woods which would be a shorter it's shorter through the you know by the crow flies it's probably nice, 45 nice. miles but um yeah anyway you know there's plenty our woods are nicer like we always say like we usually have less bear attacks here because there's less people in bigger space you know we're surrounded by national forests there's tons of lakes like there's so much camping like it's a great place to be like you'd be like why do you want to go to (laughs) it's a lot prettier here and a lot less crowded the park is the park is the park anyway so yeah so that's kind of where we're at with that um so it was really neat to talk to her and learn about different options. And then we'll see what happens if those people come in July, if they, if it seems like it's a good fit, there's some questions I need to also deal with. And then I need to figure out my yeah, budget. That's it. Those are all really good questions. And the, the good thing is you do have food from your garden that you can feed them. Right. Yeah. Well, but like, you know, how much food are we going to, you know, when's it going to be ready? Like it probably, the majority of food, I don't think we would harvest until late August, September. We might start harvesting some stuff in July. I mean, the radishes are ready. My spinach like grew and bolted already before I ever, like, I don't even, this is why I don't even want to plant spinach anymore. I'm like, I'm just going (laughs) to eat kale. And my kale is finally coming out of it and starting to like, I was like, thank goodness Mike planted kale down in the mini farm because my kale yeah. didn't do anything, but it's finally oh, really starting to look better. Yeah. And then my arugula, I have one little arugula bed and it went from like barely being big enough to eat to like being big enough to eat and super yeah. spicy already. And I eat it when I like go down there, but I haven't picked a salad from it yet. And I have a feeling it's going to be too spicy for salad before. <laughs> I don't know. So yeah, that's our story. But uh, so you're thinking yeah, of getting a woofer? Yeah. So I'm getting. I'm similar to you. I don't really have. Um, my house is full. Our house is full, and it's it's not a huge, not a super small house, but it's not a huge house. 
Um, <clears throat> and so I would need to get a camper. I thought about tents, but I'm like, oh, it's so windy here and bugs and um, cold nights sometimes, similar to you. Sometimes they're hot, but sometimes they're cold. And so I think a camper would be best. So I'm actually looking for just a really cheap camper that I can set up here for them. And, and um, it'd be a good place, second place for people to stay anyway. So that's where we're at. And um, otherwise one foot in front of the other, Jackie, that's, that's it. One foot in front of the other. Taking the next step. And um, it's, I, I just did a post the other day. <laughs> Um, talk, I, so I told you already, I'm running out of room in my garden to plant things. And I had ordered some, well, I saw some asparagus and I was like, oh, I thought I ordered some asparagus. Oh, I guess I didn't because it's not too surprising when I think I do something, but I haven't. So I was like, okay, well, um, we'll have to get aspar asparagus crowns the next year. And then I'm not kidding you. Two days later, the asparagus crown showed up in the mail and I was like, what? My field is already full. And it's one thing if it seeds, right? It's like, oh, well, but there were a hundred asparagus crowns. I was like, where am I going to put these? So, and my kids were at their dad's. And so I was all by myself. And, um, and I don't know if you know how to plant asparagus crowns, but it's a lot of digging and uh, they're planted about um, 18 inches apart, depending 16 to 18 inches apart. And they're um, planted like 12, age 12 inches deep. And some people plant them deeper depending on the variety. And, um, so I had the, like 150 foot trench that I had to dig. And, um, when I looked at it, I just was like, I just didn't know if I could do it. I just didn't know if I could actually physically do it. And I didn't know if I could, um, complete it. Like I was like, well, if I do 20 feet, maybe I'll just, I'll just take, I'll just take one shovel at a time. So I literally just did that. Just took one shovel at a time. And just focused on that and planting the next plant. And it was amazing because when I did that, all of a sudden, I mean, two and a half later, two and a half hours later, all of a sudden I was done and I was able to look back and be like, oh, that wasn't so bad. Like each shovel was kind of hard sometimes because my, my, my back was sore and it was hot out, super hot out and there was mosquitoes out and but I was like, just one shovel, Natalie. And that's kind of like what I did with the brain injuries. I, instead of focusing on who I wanted to be and where I wanted to go and all the things that I wanted to um, experience in life, I just focused on where I was, like in this moment, like, you know, us connecting here. That's where I am right now. So that's where my, my presence is. And that's where my focus was and, or is. And when I was planting the asparagus, I just focus on like that next shovel. And I think when we are able to do that, like have an intention of where we want to go and the life we want to live. And at the same time, focus on what we do, what we, where we are in this moment can be really, really powerful and help us get through the really, really hard. My question about the asparagus, like asparagus are a perennial that like you put them in and it's going to take a while before like, so mm -hmm. Did you have like a specific area picked out where they were going to go or are you just dedicating part of your field? Like now that's going to be the asparagus patch or. Yeah. Well, I planted the strawberries East West and there was one, I had a bit of a, a I had left a bit of room for um, a tractor to drive and um, but a tractor can't drive anymore because I ended up filling, <laughs> filling it with, with um, summer squash and, now asparagus so I didn't really have a spot for it but 
I had about 20 um, summer squash planted along one of the, beside one of the strawberry rows. And I just, um, I dug out five of them and I replanted them in other random places in the garden. And then I, I left the rest of them and they're just going to be intertwined in the asparagus. I do have to see if they're good crop companions still. If they're not, then I'll move them. But um, right now they're, they're there. <laughs> they're sharing the space and they will be there permanently that row of asparagus. So that's it. Aside from like tearing out something else in my garden, it was really the only space. And I think it's the best space. And I think it'll look really nice there. Yeah. Well, fresh asparagus are like, there's nothing better, right? So I know my listeners are probably wondering like a little bit about biodynamic, like gardening. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Mm -hmm. Like maybe explain what that oh, is. I'd if I, Cause I have a lot of new listeners since 2020 started. And so mm -hmm. they might not have heard some of my okay. older episodes. I did just replay one with um, Jess Pierce from the John Jevons center. Um, but I did notice when I was listening okay. to it, it was driving me crazy. Like the sound, like I'm loud and she's soft or she's loud and I'm soft. And I kept having, and like, I ended up turning, mm -hmm. oh, what does that tell you? <laughs> Man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, um, it, it tells me there's uh, just composting. You can compost, compost, compost. Com I, that's another thing that, that, um, that their brain, the you know, the gardening and the farming, the brain injury taught me is like, is the power of composting what, um, you know, you can say composting the heart or composting the learnings and turning them into and letting them. And sometimes you can like, it's, it's instant that composting that can happen, especially when you have some really good worms, but sometimes it takes time. And I think that's, that's the way life is too, right? Sometimes working through things takes time. It's not always about like, getting to where we want to be but it's just being really present with where we are and working through that so biodynamics actually complements that really beautifully because I, I i'm kind of like even though i grew up in a, an organic farm and by that practiced uh, biodynamics um and my grandfather was actually from germany and he had his phd in agriculture and was also studied at the steiner um institute there i think um i have i've helped make preps but i've never made my own preps and so now i get to make my own preps which i'm super excited about uh biodynamic farming i think to really simply explain it is really one of the most holistic sustainable succinct ways of farming because it really focuses on building healthy soil and building a healthy ecosystem and sustainability ecosystem within the farm so the whole farm becomes this living breathing organism that all supports one another from the animals to the soil to the plants to the sun to the moon to its whole existence so it's really working in harmony with all parts and all living beings and all the movement and so um for some there's the i can never say it Properly. There's the anthroposophical part, which is um, a bit what people might call a bit woo. Um, and at the same time, there's a lot of value. And we, we, we know that the moon, where the moon is in the cycle impacts, uh, you know, the, the impacts, the ocean, the impacts, the tides, high tide, low tide. We know this, we know that um, the sun impacts how, how plants um, grow. And so biodynamics takes 
into account like the planetary alignment and the moon alignment and encourages people to plant based on the where the moon is in the cycle and so that's one aspect of biodynamics and then it also um biodynamics uses preparations which are one of my favorite things because i don't know if you're familiar with homeopathic medicine are you jackie at all or yeah or herbs uh, or by taking herbs i forget and what his name is but isn't like dr i want to say like braun or something with a b yeah yeah you know what it's like yeah, going on right, my brain right. too right now but yeah, yeah those are homey bach bach remedies Yes, but I don't yeah, know so what the prep remedies. thing is that you're um, talking about. Like, so, I was going to ask you because you said it somewhere earlier too, and I was like, "What?" Yeah. You so yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to that. So the preparations are, it's like making superbugs or superfoods for your compost and for your garden and for um, the your land for what you're growing. So one of the preparations is. Um, it's a horn preparation and it's uh you it's um horn silica it's called bd501 and it's a powder and the way it's made is you take um manure like fresh manure and you put it in the horn and then you bury it and it stays there for i think six months or something and then you take it out and when you've taken it out that manure has turned into this beautiful um powder that you can use on your soil and you can use in your compost teas and it's used um it's how do you say it? so it's kind of like if you take a herb or vitamin for yourself to support your body to be in really good health or a homeopathic remedy to help your body be in really good health that's what like a preparation is for um in biodynamic farming it's it's putting life into the soil it's it's feeding it with microbes and it's and it's and um fostering like a nurturing um and a biodiverse environment so yeah is that helpful it makes more sense yeah because like we were saying before, like the mm -hmm. soil food web and all, and making sure that you're feeding all those, um, you know, bugs and microscopic insects and the microcorrhizae and the fungi that down there and the root exudites, um, how that all blends together and, um, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really powerful. And so the um so I, the idea of biodynamics is really just is really to support a, a living ecosystem within itself and to support um the microbiology and life of the soil and life of the farm. And everything everything works together and you could say kind of talks together. Okay. Well, let's do yeah. like the end of my show is kind of this thing we call the getting to the root of the thing, getting to the root of things where I'll ask you like some shorter kind of mm -hmm. easier questions. Like which do you have like a least favorite activity? Like something yeah. you have to force yourself to do in the garden, like dig a trench full of asparagus. Hey, and by the way, I Googled super quickly asparagus and strawberries <laughs> are companion plants. So you are good to go there. I saw it on the mother earth news. They like each other. 
Yay. Awesome. Awesome. Um, so my least favorite, <clears throat> you know, it's, it's kind of, this is funny because it's my least favorite, my favorite. It's my least favorite because it hurts and that's pulling thistles, but it's my favorite because if you do it right, you don't get hurt. And it just, it's such a powerful metaphor for me. Like, and if you pull out, if you pull out the thistles every single year, um, before they flower, then you can eventually get rid of all the thistles in your garden. You, it totally disappear. And I know this for sure because we did it with our fields in Matsqui. So it was my least favorite job because it hurt when you didn't do it right, but my favorite because it was so impactful. But what's the secret to doing it, it right done. so it doesn't hurt? Like wearing heavy duty gloves or grabbing the root at the right place or? Go under the. Go, <laughs> go into your soil. Like, so you dig, you push your hand down into the soil, and then you pull it out by the root. Yeah, and you can wear gloves. If you if if you're pulling them out in your garden or in your yard that hasn't where the soil has not been tilled, then using gloves and grabbing them at the very base of the plant and trying to get as much of the root as possible. But if you're pulling them out in your garden where the soil is tilled, then you you push your hand down underneath the soil, you grab the awesome. root, and then you so pull it out. Is that the my other question is on the flip side? What's your favorite. favorite activity? Is that your favorite activity? Oh, my favorite activity is probably actually uh, anything to do with flowers. Anything like anytime something is flowering, my whole my whole body lights up. Like it's like rays of sunshine. It's like being kissed by rays of sunshine. It's so picking flowers, um, smelling flowers, um, um, prune, like pruning to help the flowers um, be more like affluent and vibrant and not just pruning like actual flowers like dahlias but actual like pruning blueberry bushes so that when the flowers come in the blossoms come into bloom that they can be um less and more at the same time so i love flowers hey you got any secrets for growing blueberries specifically related to the soil because like i put these blueberries in and then i talked to the soil test lady and like i kind of researched it and it says that our soil should have a 4.5 pH. Meanwhile, our soil is like close to a 7.8. Mm -hmm. And I'm just curious, like how old are how old are the plants? I planted them last year and they didn't do much. Now I thought last year they didn't do anything because I didn't yeah. water them. And I've been watering them way more this year. Um and they and they definitely are growing a little and they're bigger, but one of them, like the leaves are just yellow, and I just feel oh. like it's probably the soil problem. Yeah, yellow can be uh, you haven't watered them too much this year. No, no, they're definitely not getting watered too much. Uh, but they're getting water as compared to last year, they were kind of starved for water. Yeah, they could be um they could be uh rooting, you know, they could be rooting. And because one time when we planted, do they have, do you have problems with moles or voles? I don't know what that means. Really. Yeah, just as I'll get to that. Do you have a problem with moles or voles or anything like that? Like any rodents? We don't really where these are. Okay. Mike Good. sometimes does in his mini farm, yeah. but these are over in the garden by the house. Yeah. So, um, the um, rooting means when you first plant something, and especially if it's not maybe the ideal, ideal soil type, or if it's, uh, then it takes time for the plant's roots to set and to like find their home. 
And, and so if they're up against that and they weren't watered maybe enough last year, then they're still fine. Those roots are still finding their home. They're still, um, I call it rooting where they're still like, you know, fine, like just getting, getting more secure, shooting off new roots and, and getting a solid foundation. So, cause that rooting has to happen before they can grow up and out and produce food. Because as long as they're having, they're, if they're struggling with rooting, then they're not going to produce. And then of course, and then there's pruning. Um, I can send you a really good pruning video if you'd like. Sure. Mm -hmm. um, cause what I'm wondering is like, should I take them out of the bed they're in and move them somewhere else? And then if I'm gonna take them out and move them like, where do I find dirt that has a 4.5 pH? Like, what does that look like? Where do I get that kind of dirt just for them? Mm, well, they like, um, they like, uh, I see a lot of people putting, um, like, um, wood chips and stuff like that around their, their blueberries. And so with, do you think that might help? I don't know. That's interesting because Patty Arbister yesterday kept saying, you should be using wood chips for mulch. You should be using wood chips for mulch. Yeah. It's a really powerful mulch. <laughs> and she was also saying that I should put it like, she's like, I always tell people around their beds because we have tons of quack grass and grass growing into the beds. Yeah. She's like, you would get rid of all these weeds. She's like, you should have four feet around every one of these beds on the outside. And that would really help a lot of your struggle with your quack grass getting right back into your beds. Yeah. Yeah, and and the wood chips would really and the wood chips. She kept saying we're going to block out the sunlight so the weeds would have no photosynthesis That's and they right. wouldn't be able to grow and it would mulch back in. Like she also said, we should put them all around the base of that um, fruit tree. Yeah, yep. That's um, right. But then she was also talking about comfrey. We should put some comfrey there. Yep. All right. Anyway, these are yeah. supposed to be quicker questions for you because you're probably <laughs> like, when is this interview ever going to end? The blueberries would also like um, your your uh, um, what's it called your um the comfrey as well comfrey is really powerful do you grow it no and then she was like you can't get it from seed you need to get it from a mother plant she's like if i would have known i would have brought you some so she said next time she'll bring me awesome. some um because then she said that would work a lot better for mulching if i just like chopped the comfrey off and like was laying it yeah. down because i started laying like grass that i like had collected from the lawnmower oh, um, and she was worried that just, I don't know, we never tried that before, but I don't know what it made me ask Mike if I, and he's like, yeah, go ahead and put that around the broccolis. Mm -hmm. And, uh, she told me, she's like, well, I would have probably let it dry out first before I put it around your, instead of just taking it fresh green. Yeah. And then she was worried that it was going to get gooey and too wet in there. Mm -hmm. But, um, I forgot what I was going to say. Um, well, the, so here's the interesting thing. The whole reason I'm planting these blueberries is I went over to my neighbors who's like less than a mile through the woods, yeah. like maybe half a mile from my house and her blueberries two summers ago were just like huge and giant and fresh and her plants just look so good. And she's the one I should probably go talk to. Yes. And I was like, I'm going to go plant. And she's like, oh, I just got them like at Lowe's or Home Depot. So that's what I did and went and got them and put these two plants in and I mean, like I said, they're twice as big already this year as they ever got last year, and it's still only June. And I did see some berries growing on one of them, but awesome. I just feel like they're looking very yellow, and mm. I just really want them to be these monster plants that she has and get the monster blueberries that she's <laughs> ready. And I don't know how yellow they are, but some blueberry, some blueberry leaves are more um, like lime greeny than others. So 
I don't, yeah, well, maybe they're just supposed to be that way. Because my husband's just like, he's like, they're fine. Don't worry. Yeah, we'll test them. <laughs> he's, I'm like the perfect example of like, sometimes a little too much knowledge is the kind that could hurt you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, where I'm like, but we should have, like, there was one point, I was kind of laughing yesterday because Patty was talking about how much lawn we have. And I wanted to be like, well, over here, I was going to try to do some native planting but then i a couple of years ago because i talked to this like native landscaping specialist yeah. down in missoula and i'm like oh we should do more native planting and then like after i don't know why like the more i pay attention the more i do my podcast the more gardening i'm like okay mike has spent the last 10 years like building this fence creating the lawn and shoving the native landscaping out like because we're in 20 acres of forest and it's like uh -huh. only the little tiny bit around our house where the grasses that creates like major fire um you know what's it called the fire uh break or whatever so our house doesn't burn down like we still have a million i don't know what would happen if a fire got too close to this house but anyway you know fire prevention anyway natalie what's the best gardening advice you've ever received ah oh, man you know it's probably from my dad and my dad says um things are going to do what we're going to do. We think we have so much control and really we have no control. And that was so freeing. So for example, sometimes you get a hit with aphids and it might suck, but that's also a feeding ground for all the ladybugs and all the, and, and all these other really beneficial insects. And so sometimes letting an area of the garden just go to that is feeding into what the garden actually needs. So getting rid of the aphids isn't necessarily the, best choice um so that was really really powerful and just to um to listen and to to what the the land is is asking yeah and what the vegetables are asking okay my last little interruption here patty did mention yesterday we were talking about ladybugs and aphids yeah. and that often aphids are a sign that you have too much nitrogen in your plant it might look really green and lush but yeah chances are good if it's getting attacked by aphids you have a nitrogen imbalance yeah that's right yeah so anyway i hadn't heard that before um because we've always bought ladybugs to try to deal with aphids or we did like there was this one year where there was like this broccoli plant we had planted a whole bunch of broccoli and mike brings this broccoli into me and it is like practically moving it was so <laughs> covered with insects but really, we ended up just leaving that plant there, and and the bugs were only on that one yeah. plant, and all the other broccoli heads were okay until the squirrels got there. Right? Isn't that's that, yeah, that's a true story. Because I I, I I used to grow dahlias when I was out in Chilliwack. That was kind of like my thing that I did on the farm. And um, there were a few dahlias almost every year that would be infested with bugs. And my initial instinct was to take them out because I didn't want the bugs to spread all over the rest of the flowers. And... And I was like, no, Nellie, you're just going to leave them. And that's exactly what happened. Those were the, those plants were the bugs' homes. And all the other plant dailies were fine. It was amazing. That's a great lesson. Yeah, because that is always your number one fear. Oh my gosh, I've got to stop this infestation before it gets any yeah. further. But sometimes, in a lot of cases, it's nice to have like that sacrificial plant. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Natalie. What's your favorite tool? If you had to move again, what tool could you not live without? What would you take with you? What would I take with me? I think my hands. I'm very grateful that I have hands to work with. Um, 
And I was thinking about this and I, you know, I love the Yuho. I just love the Yuho. Um, it's the hoe that's like, has a hole in it. It's in the shape of a, do you know, do, do you know what the Yuho is? I do not. Oh, it's so easy. It's, it's just really lovely and easy to hoe with. So um, that's one of my favorite tools. And um, I was reminded of that because I, I came out here with no tools and it was one of the first tools I bought. Yeah, was a Yuho. And then if you're doing big market gardens, I'm going to do two if that's okay. Can I do a second favorite tool? Yeah. If you're if you're doing big market gardens and you have the comfort and um, affordability to get a weed torch, then it it there the weed torch is amazing because you can do your first weeding in like you know a very short period of time, and it makes the it makes the first weeding after you weed torch really easy because the the beets and the carrots and all your veggies get a good jump on all the other little weeds that are now not there. So that's what I did. Perfect. Yeah, that's what I did. That's how I got ahead of everything here too, is I, we torched everything. Hmm. How about a favorite recipe that you like to cook from the garden? What do your kids like to eat? Well, uh, yeah, you know, when I went through the questions, that my, my kids are a bit older now, so they're 15, 14, and almost 13. And fresh vegetables have always been their favorite thing. You know, they don't want them cooked. They don't want anything on them. And so I honestly just put them on the side of their plate, carrots, even lettuce, no dressing, um, everything just straight. So, uh, and in saying that my favorite when so I think roasted, roasted veggies or, um, like, uh, or, um, salads just with a really nice, um, light, uh, like olive and, or flax seed oil and um, apple cider vinegar, vinaigrette kind of. Um, that is, that is one of my favorite things. And you know what, Jackie, in my book, there's a whole bunch of recipes that um, are farm-based and that, uh, that people can check out. Everything from like um, salsas to hummus to salads and baked veggies. So that they're in the free ebook e e e that I'm gifting people. Do you have a favorite podcast that you like to listen to? Mm. I didn't get the impression you were much of a podcaster. Nope. We can just skip that question. Nope. How about a favorite internet resource? Like where do you find yourself surfing on the web? You know, I geek out on um, soil health and um, and neuroscience. I geek out on both of them. And Elaine Ingham is one of my favorite people to follow. I did her trainings back in 2005 and um that's for the soil food web right you mentioned her and uh, so i i and uh i think it's called the jpi institute for the biodynamic um information that's really great how about like a favorite reading i want to hear about the magazine ah yeah that you're creating. Oh, I'm so excited about the magazine Jackie. Um so that's probably going to be one of my favorite places because I'm working really hard at bringing some of who I'd consider thought leaders and scientists and um people who are really have their pulse on regenerative egg and gardening um from a farming and gardening perspective and from a consumer's perspective. So 
I think that's going to be one of my favorite resources because it's putting all the really good stuff. It's kind of like your podcast. You get to interview amazing people and have them all in one place. And the magazine is, is going to be that for me is, is really bringing resources into people's hearts and homes and gardens and farms, connecting people with their food and looking at regenerative um, farming and gardening and connecting it to our global health, our global health of humanity and our global health, health of the earth and how we can influence it and how we do influence it. Okay, well, that leads right into my next question. My final question, it's real doozy. If there's one change you would like to see to create a greener world, what would it be? For example, is there a charity or organization you're passionate about or project you'd like to see put into action? Like, what do you feel is the most crucial issue facing our planet in regards to the environment, either locally, nationally, or on a global scale? Well, I think that's really our connection with the earth and our connection with the soil and um and 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 not and not just um connection like physical connection but also emotional and spiritual and um and mental connection with it so and i think the more connected and the more deep the more we deepen into awareness and connection with our food and where it's grown and how it's grown the more we're connected with the life of the soil and the life of the planet so I think that they're connected and interconnected. And I'm really passionate about creating conversations about how we can change that. Because when we're more connected with the earth and connected with our food, we're more connected with humanity and we're more connected with compassion and grace. Because when we, food brings people together, like it's a really, really powerful and inspirational medium to have conversations around. Tell us the name of the magazine again and like what, how often is it going to come out and like what's it gonna, what else can you tell us about it? Well, Heart and Soil magazine is, it'll be published quarterly and it focuses on healthy soil, healthy food, healthy farmers and uh, health, like uh, global health and um, we're looking at also adding some specialty issues for that are just for farmers so go it'll go really into the um like it'll like like geek out and nerd out on like I might not even be able to see that say that um geek out on some really some leading research and um discoveries that people are and and successes that people are having with um like microbes and with uh, nematodes and with um with insects and with uh companion cropping and all those things so those will be specialty issues and the other issues we're looking at uh, it being a place where we can have really uh, i see it as a plate like a place that we can bring people together to have inspiring and thought provoking conversations around regenerative agriculture, what it is and how we can support each other, um, how we can support each other as a consumer and as a fellow human, and also how we can support each other as farmers and how we can support each other um, like 
the in the farmer consumer connection because I think more and more people are wanting to be connected to their food. They're wanting to be connected to their farmer. They're wanting to have a deeper understanding of what's going on and how their food is grown and where it's coming from. And this is a really great opportunity to create the, those conversations and to create a safe place to have those conversations and 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 an educational place. So it's not so it's a place of this is what we can do and this is how we can uplift and amplify what everybody is doing and uh, and and bring and to bring people together in a place of opportunity in a place of possibility in a place of uh like really fostering and deepening into life and the life of soil and its impact Awesome. Well, you definitely have to interview Patty. She will be, um, yeah. just, she's just full of golden seeds. And so, well, tell us, how do they, like, is it ready to order? It's yeah, still you know in what? the production stage? You, and you, it is. It's going in production, actually, um, this coming week. And um, I, I'm still, for a limited time, you can get a complimentary subscription. And you, if you go to heartandsoilmagazine.com, that's heartandsoilmagazine.com. And, uh, um, but as soon as the magazine goes live, those free, free subscriptions will probably uh, be removed. So uh, it's a really good opportunity to jump on board. And then if you want a complimentary um, copy of my book, you can go to healthinahurry.com. And that is health, it's simple solutions for the time. So, so it's basically how to be healthy when you have no time. And it um, talks about uh, like healthy, like, Things that we can do on a daily basis that have big impact on our health, emotionally, mentally, physically, and spiritually. And it also touches on organic and biodynamic farming in the book. And it has some recipes and it's a quick, easy read. I made it really light and doable. So would love to share that with you too, if you'd like. When did that come out? That's in 2003. I was on my way to the book launch. Oh, right. Yeah. And and people can probably order that on Amazon. Well, you know, it's been out of print. So we sold out of, uh, uh, we sold out of all of our prints and I haven't, and this, so I just recently put it back up as an electronic version and I'm working on getting it put into a print version uh, as we speak. So right now it's not. Well, I, was just, I always like to tell people if you get it and you like it, make sure you leave a five-star review because that helps other people find it because nothing drives me crazier like when i can't find a podcast like yeah i'm looking for and i know it's out there and i just don't know about it because their listeners have not left them enough reviews like angela watson's truth for teachers like i searched for a <sighs> teaching podcast all through 2013 2014 and that's when she launched but i didn't find her to almost 2016 and I was like, where has she been all my life? And just, you know, how you have those podcasts out there that are just your favorites. And yeah. like when you first discover them, you're like, how has this been around for three years? Right. Yeah. I and the same with books. I mean, especially right now that I feel like, you know, like our library, they finally opened that you can go in there. But I know like my mom's library is still closed. Some of the local libraries around here are still closed. And you have, and, and when it was like curbside only, so you could order books online, but like, how do you know what book your specific library has? And like, I was Googling all these books and I was putting them on hold and putting them on hold and I wasn't really looking. And then I realized I was getting this error saying they won't even put a book on hold. Like I thought wow. at least the three libraries in my county, at least those three, it would move. Nope. 
And so I had spent like an hour and I got three bucks out of like 45 bucks that I had tried to put on hold or something or look for, you know, because I thought, well, at least once the libraries open up, it'll be in the system. And when they start moving books around, because I order a ton of libraries, our interlibrary loan is amazing. That's awesome. But trying to find books in my little teeny tiny library, mm. you know, just searching the catalog is mm-hmm. like, yeah, I love libraries too. And I love that you can order a book and it, they bring it in from across, the, you know, across the province or across the state. It's powerful. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. I wish we would invest more money in our local libraries in this country Yeah, in a big way and expand the libraries. Like, I don't know. I just feel like there's this huge fallacy that like kids you need to go to college as soon as high school is out because you know while you're in learning mode like I think people never want to learn I think it's almost better to wait until you're a little more mature and you've been out in the world and you can figure out you know some topics that you've decided yes this is definitely for me and this is definitely not for me Mm -hmm. before you like sink all this money into a huge college education I don't know I'm sure the whole college thing is going to get revamped in the next 10 years I think yeah I think you know by the time of the third graders I taught this year graduate in 2026 I think college is going to be a different um situation anyway totally off topic there Natalie thank you so much we've been talking for like 90 minutes <laughs> you're like probably like oh my gosh is this woman ever gonna let me get off the phone thank you so much for sharing all your amazing valuable knowledge with us and just keep up your good work and everybody out there subscribe to the soil and health magazine and get the book which you know I'm gonna order and read right away because I'm super time you know, staying healthy in the time is a very difficult thing for me, especially now I have another job on my computer, 40 hours a week working for this podcaster for the summer. Wow. And it's already been a challenge just this week already. Like my mm. app that takes care, like that watches my miles, yep. like already jumped from 2.3 down to 1.4. Wow. On wow, wow. And, and that's just not good for me. So I got to figure that out. Yeah. Just- I did hire a fitness coach and he's like, you need to walk up and down that healthier garden, like multiple times. Good. Good. You're I wanted to like, set a timer for, to get up from my computer every 50 minutes, which we're like on the second 50, just since I started talking to you. Oh, that's awesome. And Jackie, I just wanted to reflect back to you what a beautiful service you give to our community with your podcast it the guests you have on the questions you ask the connections you help us make as listeners is really inspiring and it's helpful and it's resourceful and I deeply appreciate it so thank you so much Uh, well thank you well it's truly you know I love to do it and I feel like it's sharing valuable information (laughs) out there and Maybe someday it'll pay a bill or two. And yeah, I don't that's know right. And, yeah. And so anyone who's listening, make sure you leave those reviews because what Jackie was saying is really true. When, when we leave her, her and other podcasters good, good reviews and um, comments, it helps people be able to find her. Yeah. Or I always like to tell my listeners even also, like, if you want your neighbors to learn about my show, like when I say at the end, share this with your friends, like I literally am begging you, like share this with your friends. If you know somebody who's a gardener, like tell your community radio station, they can have it for free. Mm -hmm. That way your neighbor, they're always looking for content. Anyway, thank you so much, Natalie. Have a great day. You too. Bye. Okay. No, wait, don't hang up. I'm shutting the recorder off, but on using chemicals in the garden yeah fertilizers and pesticides yeah 
You know, that's such an interesting question because Bonnie Plants reached out to me and I did an interview with the woman from Bonnie Plants last week. And I didn't realize that Bonnie Plants is owned by Scott.com, who is the makers of Miracle Grow these days, I guess. And so I'm wondering, am I even going to post this interview I did with this woman now? She, they do, Bonnie Plants did come out with organic plants. I saw them. I bought their plants for years now. But I, we usually are not big supporters of Miracle Grow or Monsanto or glyphosate in any way, shape, or form. Mm. Um, I did talk to this woman from this company called Soil Kit, mm-hmm. and she talks about using, um, like, there's a local brand, Espoma, who's like dirt we bought like i even used a picture of the bag of dirt in our organic oasis guidebook mm-hmm. like i was like if we use anybody we den- tend to use a spoma because one it's for sale at our local store um mike has bought like um alfalfa meal mm-hmm. he's bought blood meal he's put in but for the most part like the only amendments we use are compost cover crops and manure from our chickens or like local manure that we've gotten from like maybe somebody cleaning out their donkey pen or their horses Mike kind of stays away from horses like we have at one point got sheep because I think like oh I can't remember it says in my book though but there's like one animal that like I I want to say with horses like it practically is like it doesn't they don't have as many stomachs or whatever. So it doesn't like, it's almost like you're still dropping the seeds. It doesn't process the, whereas like chickens, I think process it more. So you're getting, mm-hmm. you're not going to get like grassy yeah. growing up or like, yeah. um, one thing that people have talked about a lot on my show is make sure you don't get manure from cows that were fed. Um, what is it? Weed free hay, because if they have been fed weed free hay, that means that hay was spread with paste. That hay was spread with, sprayed with pesticides Mm -hmm. and people who have bought manure from those animals have had their gardens ruined like there was a lady here who talked about it Jacqueline Freeman who does treatment-free beekeeping out in um, Washington talked about that happening at their place like they had two beds right next to each other and like the one bed was this new load and they just totally were able to track it down to it came from this manure they got from so they always, a lot of people talk about that. So we don't use any kind of chemical, anything, pesticide, um, fungicide, herbicides here. All of our um, inputs that we put into the ground are pretty much organic or is as organic or earth friendly as we can be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. I just think that, um, I think I, uh, I would like to include your podcast in the inaugural issue of the magazine. I was wondering how you'd feel about that. You would? Oh my gosh. I would love that. Yeah. That would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think I'd really like to do that. And I was thinking, I don't know which episode that I'm, um, but I might, uh, I'm, I would, well, I might put like, do you have an episode that stands out to you? Well, it's just like Patty Armbruster is just such a soil expert. And just, uh, I mean, I want to say my all-time favorite episode still to this day is Mandy Girth, who's down in, she has a farm called the Lower Valley Farm in Kalispell because I just love how passionate she talks about um, mm. 
the wild organic farmers and and how it gives us hope for a new generation mm. but i don't know patty armister is practically crying when she's talking about saving our planet for our kids and she's oh, yes. such a soil health advocate but i don't know i've had great guests i mean yeah, i, I love talking to uh the what's his lonefeld from that wrote yeah. the teeming with microbes um, series yep. up in alaska yep. i mean he was who had the what's his thing for now about um what would Greta do? And just, mm-hmm. you know, I've talked to Joel, I mean, Jean Martin Fortier, I still like, I was so nervous. I almost spilled my coffee all over <laughs> my computer. And like, I don't know, I, you know, yeah. there's been a lot of, I could, I could think about it and let you know, or if you had one, who were you thinking of? Well, you know, one person I was thinking of putting in the inaugural issue was Jeff Lowenfeld. And I didn't, I didn't work, reach out to him because I think he's, um, I'm pretty sure that's who it is. Um, he's like, um, I wouldn't say the grandfather, but he's like one of the original micro, like he's one of the original people. Yeah, he's like totally, because like he wrote that whole series, teeming with microbes, teeming with nutrients, teeming with fungi. Yeah, yeah. And I just talked to him in November mm-hmm. this year. He was super, uh, yeah. So- he was not anything like I thought he was going to be. It was a great conversation. Oh, that's awesome. I thought, yeah, and I'll, yeah. Well, just let me know. I w- that would be amazing. And I'll listen. And if you need me to do anything, or uh, the amazing Patty Armbruster is going to offer the most incredible composting class you'll ever take, completely online, Saturday, July eighteenth, twenty twenty. It's only thirty seven dollars, and you will get a seat. You will get a copy of the replay. You will get to pick her brain, question and answers. Um, We are just going to rock the composting. How to do composting the most efficient, effective, and best way to improve the results in your garden today. Do you know someone who would benefit from the Organic Gardener podcast? If you like what you hear, we'd love it if you'd share the Organic Gardener podcast with a friend. Thanks again for listening. And remember, grow local.